It is a special day today. As Bishop Altus has already mentioned, it is Good Shepherd Sunday. And we have three Bible readings today. And each of them paint with the words a picture of our loving, good, faithful, good shepherd. We'll start with the first one, which is quite well known, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, and you honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Is that my mic? My apologies. So, sorry about that. We'll continue, though. The second reading is from 1 Peter, reading from chapter 2. For God is pleased when... Conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And the final reading is from John chapter 10, reading from verse 1. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, 
He walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. And those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. They will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Over to you, Pastor. Bishop, sorry. <laughs> This morning I'd like to invite you to take in and reflect with me on four simple words from the familiar 23rd Psalm, where God says, He restores my soul. Say it with me. He restores my soul. That's the literal translation of verse 3. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. I don't know many of you personally, and many of you might not know me personally either, but I'm going to start by asking you a very personal question. How are things within your soul? Did anyone else ask you that question last week? I thought not. It's not something we get asked every day. How are things within your soul? I could have asked you uh, how you're feeling this morning, and you might have given me the stock standard fine. I could have asked you, uh, what are you thinking right now? And I hope you haven't wandered off sermon already. But I actually asked you, what's going on within your soul? And you probably need to think a little bit more deeply about that. There is a saying, the eyes are the window to the soul. Not to the brain, but to the soul. To something deeper about you and about your life. Maybe that's why making and keeping eye contact is difficult sometimes. If the eye is a window to something deeper about you, you might want to reflect on that. In everyday life, we talk about putting your heart and soul into something, finding your soulmate, doing some soul searching. Our musos will know that soul music is music that comes from deep within. Uh, from some passion and it often has gospel roots. You go home and open up your Sunday mail and you'll find the insert called body and soul. We describe people sometimes as a kind or gentle soul, a lost soul or a wounded soul. We tend to live on the surface a lot we share some of our thoughts and feelings with each other, but we keep an awful lot hidden, don't we? Within our soul lies our deepest longings, our deepest fears, 
our deepest needs, what matters most, who we are really, and what hurts most. We don't share that easily. I often keep moving and living and busy in my life so that I don't have to contemplate too deeply what's happening within my own soul. In the New Testament, the word for soul is psyche, from which we get our word psychology. But your soul, your psyche, is more than your brain or your mind, and psychologists recognize that. It goes to the deep inner person, the heart and soul of who you really are as you sit here today. In the Old Testament, the word means breath or spirit or life, person or being. You can see soul is a bit hard to pin down and get a handle on, but it has to do with something very deep about who you are and what ultimately is going on inside of you. Uh, on Genesis 2 verse 7, uh, the Bible says that God breathed into the man's nostrils and the man became a living being. The actual word is nephesh, which is soul. I invite you to read with me some Old Testament soul verses. Please join me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. My soul is downcast within me. Find rest my soul in God alone. My soul clings to you. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. So back to my question. How are things within your soul as you sit here today? Relax, I'm not going to ask you to share with the person next to you. But we are together in the presence of the one who does know everything that's going on within your soul. He knows whatever it is that is happening deep within you, and yet he welcomes you. He doesn't walk away from you, and he wants to serve you today. In the reading for First Peter that we heard from Georgie a moment ago, the last verse, verse 25, says, In Jesus we have a shepherd and an overseer for your soul. Uh, Jesus is our pastor, which is what uh, the word shepherd means, or the word pastor means shepherd. So Jesus is our pastor, shepherd, who remains with us always, even as your human pastors come and go, and you don't have a resident pastor of your own at the moment, but you're not without a pastor shepherd, and that's Jesus. He's also our bishop, uh, which is what the word bishop, word bishop means, overseer, so you have a bishop in Jesus, the risen Lord, who, unlike me, doesn't need to retire or be uh, replaced in May at Senate, as I will be in three weeks' time. He continually oversees your soul. Jesus, our good shepherd, pastor, bishop and overseer, restores your soul here today. The words literally mean he causes my life to return. He gives me my life back. What a wonderful way of seeing those words, he restores my soul. God, here today, gives me my life back. Wherever I have ruined it and wherever it has been damaged or harmed or robbed in some way, God restores my soul. He gives me my life back here today. 
I wonder what the person who first uttered these words had in mind in his heart and soul. If it was King David, he might have been replaying endlessly in his mind uh, the shame and the guilt of his sin in committing adultery with Bathsheba. Sometimes, even though we know we're forgiven, the, the replay keeps happening in our head, doesn't it? We can't get away with it so easily, we think, and uh, the negative thoughts keep coming back about stuff that we've done. Could God really forgive me for that? No wonder David prayed in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He prays for restoration, for God to give him his joy back in living. In Hebrew, the word restoring and repenting come from the same actual root word, restoring and repenting. To restore something is to return it back to its former glory. So in Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, he restores my soul. It means he brings me back to himself as my soul shepherd. He gives me my life back and he returns me to my God-given glory when he forgives me. And you experienced that kind of restoration this morning, didn't you? When you confessed your sins, as David did, and God restored to you the joy of your salvation, your joy in living freely before him in the world with a clear conscience. In the second reading today, we heard Peter say, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And by his wounds, you have been healed. And Peter ought to know, because remember three times he denied ever knowing Jesus at all. Uh, but after Easter, Jesus found Peter and restored him. He forgave him. And even more, he gave him a key oversight responsibility in the church which Jesus was about to build and of which we are a part. Some of you might be into restoring things, whether it's old cars or houses or furniture. You find joy in bringing things back to their former glory or sometimes even better than the original. Things that other people found tired and worn out and were ready to cast aside. Life sometimes has a way of sucking the life out of us and wearing us down and demoralising us within. We feel like that old wreck on the top photo on the screen. Our soul can become downcast, as the psalm writer said, our spirit worn and depleted. And the things that people say and do to us and the things that happen in the world to people that we love and to ourselves can sometimes be what we call soul-destroying. In a way, we are all troubled and wounded souls as we sit here today. We just keep that part of our life hidden from each other pretty well and sometimes even from ourselves. Today's word to take home reminds us that God has a passion for restoring not old furniture, houses and cars, but people. Worn out and damaged people such as we are here today. Lost souls like us, he restores our souls. In the garden on the night before he was crucified, Jesus himself said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And he said that for you. 
The thought of what he was going to have to go through to save and forgive and keep you forever with God was overwhelming. He was troubled by the weight of it all, but he went on to bear his soul and body on the cross for you, to let his body be battered and bruised and be mentally tormented for you. He gave up his spirit for you, and by his wounds we are healed. We believe he was raised to a new life, including a new body for you, our crucified and risen shepherd, he gets us, and he is the one who is here today to restore our souls. The word restores in the 23rd Psalm has the sense of ongoing restoration. It's not something God just does once, set and forget. It's something that we continually need. And I met someone coming into church today who was describing uh, his life this week and yeah, and it reminded me that that's why we keep coming back uh, because it's not set and forget. Uh, we continually need God's restoring power to be at work within us. Our Good Shepherd is constantly working to restore the life that has been sucked out of us, to heal the bruises from the knocks of life, to still the unfulfilled longings that we all live with, to calm our mind and give peace to our conscience, to assure us of who we are to him and of his heart for us. He's working constantly to restore our faith in him and his power, our trust in his promises and our confidence in his loving presence at all times. We don't get to see the finished product of God's restoration project, that is us, until the very end. But we know how it ends in a place and state of no more tears to disturb your soul, and even with a restored and resurrected body like his. God's restoration project of you will only be complete on the day you finally meet him at home in heaven. That's the promise of Easter. That's the faith we live in each day, and the faith we will one day die in. I'm about to retire after nearly 37 years of pastoral ministry. The very first home visit I did in South East Queensland was to a lady who couldn't get to church, so I took her communion at home. The first time I got out my Bible, she stopped me and she said, Pastor, you can read anything from the Bible to me except the 23rd Psalm. I asked her, why not the 23rd Psalm? And she said, because I'm not dead yet. You see, she associated the 23rd Psalm with funerals and ministry to the dying, and she wasn't ready for hers just yet. But the Lord is my shepherd is actually a psalm for the living. It's an expression of life of faith lived confidently in the care of the good shepherd. And even as we hear those words this morning, God intends them to restore our soul. If the eyes are the window of the soul, then the eyes of faith in the good shepherd are the window from within which your soul looks out. 
and is meant to see your own life, the lives of others and the whole world differently. In the words of the 23rd Psalm, the eyes of the soul of faith looks out and sees, I don't want for anything. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life like God's sheepdogs continually chasing me with goodness from God. My cup overflows. Bishop Paul Smith, who I started at seminary with in 1980, I'm a little older than he, but we started in 1980, has always said that he's not a glass half empty person, he's not a glass half full person, he's a glass overflowing person. That's a good spirit for a bishop, an overseer in God's church, isn't it? Wherever he goes, whatever the state of the church, whatever's happening in his own life, he sees God's goodness and mercy overflowing for him and for us. And I can tell you that that's his spirit. There are days sitting at bishop's meeting, you come back after lunch, we're all tired and a bit cranky and all a bit frustrated at what we've talked about, and Paul will be humming and singing and quoting Monty Python uh, and singing psalms, uh, he's, he's a glass overflowing bishop uh, and I like that about our national bishop. We may lack for things, we may want for things in this life but we have ultimately what deep down in our souls really matters and will matter in the end. And the eyes of faith looking out from our soul, our restored soul in Jesus can say, in the end I lack nothing. In the average day, even a stressful day, God creates green space for us if we dare to find it and see it. Moments when we're conscious with him, even on our worst day, moments with his word, moments unburdening in prayer, and God is creating green space and still water to restore your soul in those moments. Look for them tomorrow, find them tomorrow, ask him to help you make them tomorrow. In my life in the district office sometimes, uh, I often go for a walk at lunchtime, not just to clear my head, but to renew my soul if something has troubled me. And I often take one of these text cards from the LLL with me. Uh, this is my favourite. I can do everything through Christ. He gives me the strength. And as I walk in God's creation in the sunshine, I repeat that verse uh, as I walk. Um, and I can tell you that I invariably come back to my desk with a renewed spirit and a restored soul. Maybe that's something that you could do in your daily life too. Faith in the Good Shepherd sees him walking with us even in the darkest of days and at the end of life when we have to all individually walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We fear no evil, why not? Because the psalm writer says, for you are with me. My Good Shepherd is with me. The one who destroyed the power of death and the one who was raised from the dead is with me at every moment. What's there to fear in life or in death? When we leave today, our enemies, opposition and life challenges will probably be waiting for us. Yeah? They don't suddenly disappear and sometimes even in church we're deeply conscious of what troubles us out there. Life may trouble our soul out there, but in here today, 
God sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies, of things that threaten and trouble us. And we can still say our cup from him overflows. Life may be hard out there, but God is with us in here. And he invites us to enjoy him and his hospitality and the food that he puts on the table for us in the face of the things that trouble us. They haven't gone away, but in the face of them, we're here with God. And we enjoy him and his hospitality together as a foretaste of the time we will enjoy him forever without the enemies in heaven. We do what we do here today as a foretaste of heaven, anticipating that we will live in the house of the Lord forever. And Hebrews chapter 6 says we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. The hope that your God-restored soul, that trusts in the good shepherd has, uh, is an anchor for your soul. The picture in Hebrews is of uh, your soul attached at one end to Jesus at the other, firmly and securely around him and you. You're here, he's in heaven, but he's ever drawing you home to himself. And the more you're conscious of that picture, the less can threaten and trouble you about life here and now. At the end of communion today, I'm going to simply say the words of blessing body and blood of Christ strengthen you in body and soul now and forever. Why? Because you have just received within yourself body and soul the body and blood of your good shepherd. What's there to fear? What other strength are you going to need to face tomorrow? So the eyes of the restored faith in Jesus within your soul are a window from which God wants you to leave here today to see everything and everyone, including yourself, differently. I don't know how your soul was when you walked in here today, but God does, God did, and he's here to restore your soul this morning. That's the promise and takeaway of his word to you on this Good Shepherd Sunday. My prayer is that it will be your experience of spending time with him in worship here today and every day when you are conscious of his presence with you. Amen. As you're able, please stand and join me in the next song.